So would you make some comments about um, my constant curiosity about do animals grow spiritually as they age? Yes. So I have observed in uh, many animals, um, my own animal friends um, have come for a particular purpose. They generally uh, are here to help a lot of people because that's what I have done, and so they are my helpers too, and friends uh, spiritually. We usually known each other uh, from other lifetimes. And so they generally start out sort of above average in awareness. Not that all animals, I mean, all animals have a certain awareness, but, but they're different. They're individuals. So you get some animals that are very um, unconscious, degrees of consciousness and some that are very, very conscious. And, and just like everybody else, just like all of us humans, we can grow in consciousness or we can decrease in consciousness. You know, depending on our choices, our experiences, which are also our choices because we actually plan out our lives <laughs> before we come and from life to life and through the life by all the decisions that we make. So anyway, what I have found is that as the body winds down, in particular, animals grow just like we do. You know, they grow, uh, they learn from their experiences so that my animals who helped a lot of people at uh, animal communication courses at my home, retreats and courses, they would grow from helping other people. They helped other people, people would grow, they would grow. Just like we all do when we help others, we grow ourselves. So they would grow, they would get wiser. Okay, and as they got older, let's give me, let's give a particular example of Sherman because he's a real, he's a real good example. Sherman was an orange tabby cat, Master Sherman I call him, and he uh, died in 2010, he was almost 22 years old. So he'd been around a long time as a cat and he had helped many people. When he was a youngster, people recognized right away. They would look at him and they would see the depth. People were very attracted to him. I mean, he was handsome too, but he shone, his light shone. And he would look at you and he would do things. He would make a circle, a big circle around people. And he would be doing work with them. Okay, so, but he also was a scamp. He was, he was a little rascal. You know, he would do, he was a youngster, of course, uh, when he was young and early years. He had a lot of energy and he had to be outside. If he couldn't be outside, he would cause trouble to anybody who would, who would keep him in. Well, I didn't try to keep him in. Sometimes I had to keep him in um, because of um, circumstances of wild animals outside or, or the weather or whatever. And he, he would become a scamp and, and uh, tease the other cats and stuff. Okay, so he did that. But he still was his wise self. But when you're young and you have all that energy, you sometimes do things that aren't exactly um, what you would do when you're older. Because once the hormones are not motivating you as much, whether you're, uh, as he was, neutered or not, you still have more hormones when you're younger than when you're older. Um, as you wind down, I noticed with Sherman, as he got older, he, he hung out more. I mean, he, he always hung with me. I mean, a couple minutes with Sherman was like hours with somebody else in terms of quality of experience. You know, he would come near me and I would just be filled up with energy. 
but he would spend more time and the love that emanated from him mm. and everything was slower of course he moved slower and he couldn't jump like he used to and you know he was losing his hearing and um but he did things that were absolutely extraordinary at um retreats um just before his death it was a couple months before his death and he, I mean, he was sleeping a lot of the time. You know, his body was very frail. He was getting very thin. And, but still he was bright. And he would communicate with people. Well, our last shamanic circle where we were doing drumming and then we were doing chanting, then we were doing some healing, Sherman went around and he sat in all the directions, the four directions. And then there's up and down, which is six directions. But he said he didn't sit, sit in up and down. He didn't sit in the sky or under the earth. But he sat in the fort. He went around and sat. And everybody, everybody got the transmission of the directions from him. And then he went around to each person in the circle. This is this frail little cat that had a hard time moving by this time. I mean, he could move, but slowly. He looked at each person in the circle. You know, I forget how many people there were, maybe um, 15 or something like that. He looked at each person steadily and gave them an energetic transmission. Wind Walker did the same, did he Yes, not? yes. And Wind Walker the cougar. Yeah. Yes. And so people were like, everybody was sitting there receiving. All, it was real obvious that everybody was getting it. And they were just like, wow. And and then he, he, he expended all the effort he could in his physical body, and then he went back to sleep. So it was very deliberate and very for us, and it was the last, really the last thing he ever did in a group. It was the last group we had before he, he left his body. So um, that was extraordinary. Not that Sherman didn't do extraordinary things before, but he was much more quick before. You know, like he would do... He would go up to people who were struggling with communication exercises and doubting themselves, and he would, he would go up to them and say, knock it off. He'd be like a Zen master, and he'd look at them, and he'd, he'd transmit to them, and they'd get it. And he'd go, knock it off, that invalidation of yourself. You're stopping yourself. And he'd tell them straight, and they'd get it. You know, these people were saying, I'm not getting anything. You know, Sherman would, and he'd be just like, come on, shape up. And they would shape up. He was incredible. Would you talk a little bit about your experience with Wind Walker? Yes, and Wind Walker was very, it was a very similar thing because I was aware of Wind Walker. I had met him a number of times and there was no uh, real big communication coming from him. He was a beautiful being, but he was, a, he was a mountain lion. I remember he stalked me. I remember he scared me. He was in his, his enclosure and I was out there and I went, Oh my gosh. I mean, I was up close, so I, he was big. And my thoughts were, my God, he is so big. I'm glad I've never met a mountain lion in the wild. You know, I was being a, a human. My, my um, adrenaline was going. And he started stalking me. And um, so this was not the behavior you generally get of beings who are in connection and aware. They're not trying to stalk you and scare you and eat you. <laughs> You know, <laughs> unless there were a purpose to, to do that, which he did not have that intention of teaching me something. So Wind Walker was a beautiful being, you know, et cetera, but he wasn't what I would call a wise being or a master being. Then later in his life, 
and he was slower and you know by the time we saw him in his uh, you know not too far from his departure within a six I think it was six months of his departure he um, couldn't move that well and John I think was feeding him by hand and um, but he had shifted he now had a consciousness where before he didn't have a consciousness uh, that much of what was around him and what people were thinking and what they were feeling but he now had a consciousness of what people were um, thinking and he related to everybody and he looked around. Again, he was lying down and he was very, um, you know, quiet. He looked around it and connected deeply with each person with that gaze of wisdom and purity. And, um, and he transmitted when we talked to him, he now uh, had things to say about the bigger world. Again, he gained in wisdom. He gained in perspective. Um, and that's a beautiful thing that I've seen, not with every animal. I can't say I've seen it with every animal, but I've seen it with a number. Um, and particularly, you know, when you're in a teaching situation like at Earthfire or I'm in a teaching situation with my animals, teaching other people, they grow in a different way than an animal who's in a normal domesticated situation. Or in the wild. Or in the wild. You know, they grow in a different way because their life trajectory, I mean, they chose that life, etc., whether to be a domesticated animal, whether to be in a sanctuary like Earth Fire, whether to be out in the wild. Their life is very different. They, their demands are very different. Uh, people aren't asking them questions. I, re I have often experienced that with wild animals. When you start to ask them questions, sometimes it's like, uh, they don't really want, some of them don't really want to answer right away. Like, I'm busy. You know, I've had that happen with me, where they go, hey, I'm, I'm doing, and normally I wouldn't even ask them questions, but this is on behest of students. Mm -hmm. You know, they go, what is he saying, or whatever, you know, and when they're new, I'll do, uh, you know, sort of a favor for them to illustrate to them. And, the, and I said, well, the animal says he's too busy right now. He's, he was just about to go meet his mate, you know, or he's, he's ingesting his dinner and he needs to sleep. Or maybe he's not interested. Yeah, exactly. In talking to you. Exactly. Who are you? Well, that's the point. It's <laughs> like, who are you? I'm busy with my mate. Who are you? I mean, it's the same concept. You know, we're translating a little bit different, but it's like you're not so you're not so important. But he's not telling me again. Those are human thoughts. He's not telling me I'm not important. He's just saying it like I live my life. Human. I don't have time to answer your questions. You know, and I've had students do that where they're kind of chasing the wild animals. Mm. You know, uh, well, they don't know better. I want you to answer my question. Will you answer my question? I said, you know, I would never even approach him because I feel first. Does this animal, if I'm sitting there and the animal connects with me, then I know they want to communicate with me. That's the permission part. You know, I have their permission because they initiated the connection. I just sat there. I didn't run after them or go, would you connect with me? Would you? I mean, that's what beginners do, and sometimes I have done that for the sake of illustration for reporters or beginners who say, well, you know, what does that bear have to say? Or what is, you know, <laughs> it's not my way, and I don't impose on animals. So if you sit quietly and you're being and an animal comes up to you, or they come into your field. They don't have to appear, but they connect. Suddenly you feel, oh, there's an animal connect. You look up and there's a bird on top of the tree. 
and the bird is connecting with Challenge you. Challenge that a lot. Yes. Yeah. And they connect with you. They want to communicate. Okay, then you have their permission. There's no problem. The permission is to me is a channel that the animal has opened. You could initiate an opening too, though. Yes. Yes. Without asking, just opening. Yes, just opening. Mm -hmm. So say, you know, I have birds come around and I'll sit and just be open. And, you know, uh, they'll look, they'll notice that the, the, the energy, uh, there's a channel. Yeah. And they'll look over and they'll go, okay. Yeah. You know, and they're curious about me. Again, they're going about their business. They're cur curious about me. We just share the moment. We're not asking each other's questions. He's not going, well, what do you do in that house? You know, or, or something like that. It's not, you know, we're just sharing each other's being on the earth. Lovely. I mean, basically, that's most of my... Connections with animals are that way. I'm not pumping them with questions, but humans always think of questions. You know, people go, what is he saying? What is he thinking? You know, I remember one That's person. up in the head. Exactly. They followed me around in a field with cows. What is that cow saying? Oh, I, and I'd go, nothing, nothing, <laughs> nothing. Because they're not saying anything. They're enjoying life. They're being. They're chewing on their grass. You know, they're not projecting things. Humans are the projectors. Yeah. Can I ask another question because it's so interesting. You talk about Sherman doing transmission and Windwalker doing transmission. Right. Could you say a little bit about what transmission is and is it similar to when, say, a Buddhist teacher gives a transmission to a student? Um, Energetic? Well, it's, I'm giving you a transmission right now because I'm connecting with you and I'm sending across energy. Now, my mouth is moving in the form of words. So people think, oh, you're communicating words. No, I'm sending energy to you. You feel my energy. Okay, that's a transmission. So you can also do it silently. You can send energy silently. You don't have to put words on it. And so, it, we, and you send it by intention. So a Buddha, say a Buddhist transmission or a Hindu transmission or whatever uh, Pope transmission, you know, whoever it's coming from, they're sending, say, an intention of blessing, or they're sending an intention to open up to a truth or a mantra, depending on their tradition. And that's what Sherman and Windwalker were doing yes. as well, the same yes. process. Exactly. They were sending an energy appropriate to that situation and sharing part of their wisdom. And it comes across as an energy. You can feel it as an energy coming across. What is energy? It's moving particles. You know, can define it uh, scientifically. You actually receive something. And they take it from themselves to send to yes. you. Yes. So you get tired after a while because they're actually <laughs> giving of themselves to you. In a um, it depends on them. Um, if if uh, they're, again, really in it, and they're, uh, they're really in their core and, trans and transmitting universal energy. Oh. It isn't so tiring. Oh. However, if their body is older or sick, you know, like when they're about to make their transition, yes, it can take a lot out of them. Because that amount of energy normally isn't supposed to go through a body when they're old. You withdraw your energy from a body when it's, I mean, old by old, I mean about to die. I don't mean elder years. I mean old. But, you know, all through your life, your energy is different. You know, you're transmitting differently through your body. But that can be hard on a body that is not up to it. 
But even a, a, you know, a highly energetic person like me who's used to transmitting a lot, who's used to teaching a lot, you still need to, to handle your body afterwards. You still need to eat and to sleep well and make sure you are primed because otherwise your body will burn out. It will hurt your body. Because bodies, you know, they, they only have, they have limits. <laughs> we have discovered this. <laughs> I think at this point, um, it's been wonderful. Thank you. You're very welcome. Very, very it's always rich. good talking with you. <laughs> so I'm going to